Lara Thornbury. She's a sewer who blogs. Lara is a Melbourne sewing local that makes everything and gets everything done. That's our view. You'll hear Lara's view on how she gets things done and what Sojourn is about. Sojourn, it's like a sewcation, but Australian. You're listening to Sew Organised Style Podcast, produced by me, Maria Thea Harris, Susan Goodwin of Measure Twice Cut Once Patterns, and Anne Wally, the Pattern Whisperer. Lara has always been a creative soul, and her daughters are now starting to build their skills too. Today's podcast was recorded in November, hence the reference to Melbourne's Fructals. Lara is so productive that you'll have to stick around to hear how she preps her projects how she plans them, and what her Sojourn sewing record is. So how's your packing going for Sojourn? Oh, look, you know, I'm not actually packed yet. I'm still cutting out. I've been so many times that packing's actually pretty quick and easy for me now because mm. it's almost autopilot. I know what to grab. So that's what I do. Yeah, I've got it down to a fairly fine art. I love that blue. That's a gorgeous blue. It goes so well, Lara, with your dressing gown and your glasses it's a gorgeous blue it's actually more of a gray i think that's just the way that it's picking up on the camera but yeah, yeah it looks good. one of those smoky grays but it does do the blue thing yeah i can see the difference but to me it looks a smoky gray mind wow. you i argue about shades of blue and what they really are with my kids <laughs> <laughs> education is education that's it isn't it <laughs> sure it is so thank you so much for being with us today. You're um, welcome. We know that you're a really busy person, but you always, from our perspective, everything gets done. Look, it pretty much does, actually. I suppose because it has to. Look, there's things that don't get done. I don't read as much as I would like to. Mm. That's something I used to read so many books and I feel as though nowadays I really don't get much reading done because I don't get those well I choose to use those more extended periods of time to sew probably than to read but things get done because they have to there must be a lot of things that don't get done I have a cleaner that makes a big difference mm -hmm. so I'm still I suppose doing most of the household organization but having a cleanup really does make things that bit easier I don't work during school holidays anymore as well. That gives me a little bit of That's extra good. time. Yeah, and it works mm. really well with the family. And I don't work full-time. I work part-time, but that part-time can vary anywhere between three days up to five. So it's a bit of a movable feast. Oh, well, that's your foundation for what you can do with what you've got, isn't it? Yeah, oh, it certainly is. I think that the real key, though, is having a sewing room, having that space set up. So I can just walk in, do what I want, when I want, even if I've only got 15 minutes. Marvellous. That's mm. a good thing. And then you can close the door. Well, mine's actually open plan, so I can't close the door. <laughs> <laughs> no, my daughter's bedrooms are off the sewing room, but that's okay too. And are they starting to take on some of their mother's sewing skills now? They can sew. I've allowed both of them to use the machine they haven't been as game to use the overlocker, although the eldest has a bit. So they know the basics. Claire, my eldest, she sewed a dress for her year 10 personal project last year, so a 1950 style outfit. Um, she did a great job of that. That was really good to see. So they've got the basic skills, but I think it comes down to why would they bother sewing when I can do it for them? Mm -hmm. It's the hardest thing, though. I think as a, you know, passing on knowledge, it is a lot more time intensive to pass on your knowledge than it is to do it too from the other side of the boat. It's like, yes, I would really love to, but just give it to me, you know. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what happens. <laughs> so, and also often the time that they want to sew is time that I want to sew. So we've got a bit of a conflict there. It's Yeah, I think it might be time for an extension on the sewing table and another sewing machine, maybe. Oh, we've actually already got the second sewing machine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but you've still got to get up and stop and, and have a look. So it's... Yeah, Correct. The part is the time, which it's lovely. But I think knowing you, Lara, I think you would probably like to be doing a bit more output instead of watching. You're a... You like to actually put your hands in there and do it. Pretty much so, although I have had to calm down a little bit and just watch and be a bit more patient and just calm down in general. You know, things don't need to be quite that frantic. No, but it is. 
it always <laughs> is. <laughs> Got to get it done. It's just, I think it's part of that mantra, isn't it? When you're going in there to do something, you want to have something to show for it too. Oh, yes. Yeah, definitely. If I could just start on the topic of sojourn. So we had Meredith done and her podcast was around what they did in Adelaide to get their frocktail sorted. Mm-hmm. So June, do you want to give us a bit of a background to that? I think you've got a lot of history when it comes to that. <laughs> yeah, I've been going to Sojourn since not long after it opened. So for those that don't know, Sojourn is a house with a dedicated separate sewing studio that's in Lancefield in country Victoria. So the house has four bedrooms. I think it sleeps up to about 10, Mm. although we usually have anywhere between four and probably seven or eight people. There's a few reasons I love Sojourn. It's in a fabulous location. The house itself is super comfortable, but it's so incredibly handy having that studio in a separate building as well. So we have, yeah, so some people are up until two, three in the morning, that Mm. sort of before they come to bed and others uh, prefer to go and have their sleep earlier in the evening. I'm the reverse. I tend to be up and over in the sewing studio fairly early in the day. So it allows for that as well. So everyone has their own space a little bit too, but just the fact that it's been set up purposefully for people to sew in makes a huge Mm. difference. The owner, Jan, is a quilter. And so there's a great big quilting wall there. It's got all of the things that you need, basically. It's fabulous. There's some weekends I don't think we've left the property. Oh, no, we do leave the property to go to the pub. <laughs> the meals, the pub and the bakery, they're pretty well out of us. <laughs> so, yeah, we take our own towels and sheets, which is great. You know, that works. It's easy. There's a fully equipped kitchen, but the groups that I go in, we tend to go out to eat yeah. because we don't want to spend any of our sewing time on cooking and preparing so for us it's a complete break to the usual and do you stay hydrated oh we do stay hydrated (laughs) (laughs) but gee when you want to sew you don't have as much time to actually pick up your wine glass i've discovered so it's an easy way to to paste things sensibly is when you're sewing at the same time responsible sewing that is it is responsible (laughs) sewing most definitely so is that the group, is it run by someone or they just offer you the space so that you can do what you want? Yeah, Jen's the owner. So it's up to, I go to Sojourn with a couple of different groups. The group that I'm going there with this weekend is the group I started going with. So we go twice a year. Um, there's a core group of us. There's six of us going this weekend. So because sometimes people can or can't go depending on what else is happening in life. And I didn't know everyone in this group. The first time I went, I hadn't met them all even. So it's one of the things that I treasure the most about Sojourn is the friendships that I've been able to build and develop and grow. This group of women I'm going with, you know, they're my best friends. They're fabulous ladies on so many levels. So that's been one of the joys of Sojourn for me. It's really been terrific. And we're obviously we all sew. We're pretty much all garment sewers, although not everyone sews every time. One of the group will often crochet instead. Others will maybe make a quilt. just depends on what's happening. But our group is focused on garments more than anything else. Yeah, one person just books, they get in touch with the owner and book it for the weekend. So you can book it for a week, for a weekend, whatever suits. I tend to be the organiser. Are you surprised? No. No. Not at all. (laughs) Not always. But with this group, I tend to be the one that does that. And we have regular bookings. So we are always the second weekend in November. We're the third weekend in May. So, And they do book out about a year in advance often. But sometimes people cancel for different reasons. And you can get a booking. But it's just like, you know, booking any property, I suppose. Yeah. Just get on book and off you go. So we'll be looking on Instagram to see what you're up to. Yes, that will be happening. But I will be looking on Instagram to see what you're all up to at Frocktails. We'll be freezing. That's what we'll be doing. I think we'll be freezing too after what you said. (laughs) (laughs) There'll be the parade of coats, I think. It is very sad for me that Frocktails has clashed with Sojourn the last couple of years. But, Mm. you know, Sojourn always wins, I'm afraid. Yeah, Yeah, we get that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because you are so productive from what I've seen with Sojourn Instagram posts that you've done, is organisation an inbuilt skill for you? Ah, look, I think I am naturally a fairly organised person. Mm. My parents are organised. I've always, I grew up in a a neat household where 
you put things away again, um, that sort of thing. Doesn't mean I'm always tidy, but I am always organised. You know, there is a place for everything. It has its place. I have systems for how I do things. And yeah, that's just my nature, I suppose. It's not necessarily, it's always hard to know, do you learn it? Is it inbuilt? It's certainly something mm. that you can develop, but maybe it's about power and control, you know? <laughs> I like to, know, to, to have control over my environment and to know what I'm doing, all of those sorts of things. I am the holiday planner, I'm, you know, all of those sorts of things. So, yeah, I think part of getting organised for Sojourn is a fairly inbuilt thing. I usually have everything pre-cut. So this week, or the last couple of weeks I've been cutting out, I tend to sew garments that, or use patterns that I've used before, or ones that are fairly straightforward, because we are chatting the whole time as well. So um, anything that needs huge focus is probably not the thing to take to Sojourn. Oh, okay. So that's the trick. Uh, Well, I think so. If it... Mm requires massive thought, yeah, or concentration, I'd rather do that at home. So how many have you cut out, Lara? Oh, well, actually, this I think I haven't counted. There is more than I will be able to sew. Always good, because you never know. You might That's just right. get a run. <laughs> so I'll look, I like to take more than I will sew. They're all things I want to make probably before the end of the year. And if I've got a whole lot there with me, then I can sew as the mood takes me as well. Yes, choice. Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> Any colours in there that we might need to know about? Oh, there's lots of colours that you would appreciate. I am very <laughs> sure, Anne. <laughs> I'll be staying right plugged in there. Having a, yeah. We'll be doing a cross-reference at Frocktails. Well, quick, what's going on? It's so good. Quick, let's there have will a little be a little bit of that. <laughs> <laughs> Our room will be a bit darker. Hopefully, it'll be a bit easier to take photos. And you just never know at the venue what it's going to be like to get a few snaps done. No, we'll definitely need some photos taken prior. You need to make sure you're remembered to do those photos prior. (laughs) And there there will be a photographer there. But we Mm. usually get those photos like a couple of days later, but they're really well done. Yes. Yes, they are. Yes, it's kind of crept up this year. I don't know about you, Maria, but um, I don't like to think about it until 10 days before because that's when Google tells me what's going on with the weather. So as much as I've been thinking about what I wanted to make, that's, yes, that's... The plans have changed. It has to change. And my open-toe shoes, oh, Lara, you'll be all cosy with your warm shoes and... Our toes oh, yeah. will be saying, no, no, no. <laughs> I'll be in my stretchy wear and lots of layers. <laughs> yes. Oh. So does yes, that mean we... it's going to be so cold that we can wear boots? Like, probably? Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, sorry, I just had an epiphany. <laughs> yes. That, that actually might be the solution because if the nighttime temperature is 8 degrees, it will be warm in the venue, mm. but you want to be comfortable because you'll be doing a bit of standing and running around and, oh, it's, mm. yeah, it's... It's not just to stand there on the pedestal and just, you know, smile. You've got to work oh, no. the room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so we're not, we didn't get a number, though, Lara, did we? No, we didn't get a number. I haven't counted. More so than I'd 10? I'd say we're, oh, more than 10, yes. <gasps> okay. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you usually sell at least double-figure type of, over two days, oh, look, I've it noticed. Does vary. Yes, I think... Last time I went, I had to cut my visit short because I had some other commitments at home and I only sewed four things. One of those was quite complex, but I think I had actually made it almost up to about 18. So that's your record. Oh, look, I'm not sure if that's the number or not. So because it's not actually a competition, it's not a No, no, but a PB is a PB. (laughs) (laughs) But as I said, I'm sewing garments that are already cut out. They're often patterns I've sewn before and they're not generally terribly complex. So all yeah. of that means that, and I have been sewing for a very long time. I'm, mm. I'm quick. You know, I don't take a long time to do things. I don't use masses of pins unless no. I have to, and I sew over them, of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so all of that makes a difference to how many garments that you can make. Mm. Well, I was just thinking about just sipping into a 
we're talking about fabric, how do you organise your fabric when you're at home? Because you look like you can pull it out at, at a moment. At moment. Yeah. yeah. This is when the people that are listening to this podcast will wish it's video because I think I might talk the two of you through what, how I organise my fabric. Okay. So, look, there's a few things that I do. I have... <gasps> oh, the uh, cupboard. There's oh. a cupboard. So this cupboard has wovens, essentially, and it's got my printed wovens. So all the patterned printed fabrics are in here, roughly sorted by colour. Yes. Um, pretty they much. They are. They oh are pretty much sorted by colour and fabric type. This top shelf here, they're brightly coloured as well, but they're woven checks, those sorts of things, or fabrics that are a bit special maybe. I've got some jacquards and satins together. There's corduroys up the top. Yeah, that's really only the tip of the iceberg. I do have a lot of fabric. There's no denying that. There's a lot of fabric. Um, oh. I've also got quilting fabrics. In cupboard um, number two. So there's there. Yeah, this is in the next cupboard. So I keep those together. So those cotton quilting fabric up the top. In my knits, I try to sort them as well according to if they're stripes, if they're patterned, if they're plain as well. There's some more up there. Cupboard number oh. three. So that's three cupboards at the moment <laughs> you've seen so far. So my sewing room was built on purpose as a sewing room with these cupboards for all my stuff. Wow. So I've got wow. things, I've got leather, other types of interfacing, sort of miscellaneous things. Yes. But I think the key is having them visible. Yes, so I agree. So there's doors, obviously, which keeps the light out, which is also important, but they're visible. So I can mm. see what I've got. So that's the ideal world, is that my stash would be contained to those cupboards. Yeah. Now you'll see the real world. <laughs> <laughs> so in the real world, there's those cupboards, and then there's these boxes. Oh. So under my sewing table I have yes. what is pretty common the old plastic tubs with fabrics in those and they are larger solids so in all of those I've got solids they're all wovens as well and they're sorted according to the weight of the fabrics this side these are solid knits so t-shirts those sorts of things as well in those what? tubs so I'm really keeping things sorted according to type Yes. Oh, and these three tubs here are my really favourite fabrics that I need to use. <laughs> so ones that I don't want to let sit and marinate the rest of, you know, my life really because obviously I have more fabric than I'm ever going to sew in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, I'm not apologising for that, you know. It's no, the way I don't. It's, it's my hobby. It's what I do. I have had a fair bit of fabric given to me over the years as well. when um. Parents, friends have gone into residential care, that sort of thing. People yes. will pass on their fabric to me because they know I like fabric. Um, and our linen, my linen cupboard as well has now come a little bit full of tubs. So, wow. yes, there's more tubs. So I know what's in each tub. Once again, they're sorted according to type. So these are all knits in these tubs here. The bottom two are actually scraps. So... They're usable size scraps a lot of yep. the time. Yeah. Um, I pass scraps on to my children's schools eventually. It's what I've yep. done there. So, but look, what you do with your scraps is always an issue. The really tiny scraps I throw out. And mm. this is when I feel, you know, there's so much on blogs and on Instagram about being more environmentally responsible. But my smaller scraps do go to landfill. That's how it is. Yeah. I, I, I think sometimes keeping those scraps for a few years is a good idea because you never know if you might just rip a sleeve and you have to change it over or something. Mm. I mean, that happens. So yes. I, I'm not one to throw them out too soon. because I, I keep I a usable known. amount. So, you know, I yeah. keep the usable size yeah. scraps, um, the ones that would be handy for that sort of thing. I really do quite enjoy sewing from the larger scraps, you know, mm. seeing what I can make from them, combining a couple of fabrics together, that sort of thing. Mm. I did sew a top, I think was it earlier in the year or last year, where I used a whole lot of different coloured linens. You know, I got oh. out the scraps and combined them all together into a, into a patchwork type top, I suppose. Um, was that the pinnacle one? Was it that one? Was no, it that was one, one of um, Boho Banjo by Pearl Red Moon, one of her patterns. Oh. Really terrific, which because it comes, you know, all the pieces are already sorted for you. So that was 
something that was fun to do. But just mixing a couple of different mitts together is often good. Use one from the front, another one from the back, you know, all of those sorts of yeah. things. When you've got large pieces of the same fabric type, that's yes. easy to do. And so it's also um, the crossover between the, um, the quilter in you and the sewing garment. So it's a, it's a great marriage of the two hobbies going into one, isn't it? Yes, look, it is. I haven't done any quilting for quite a few years now. I started off garment sewing, I think, and then had a little diversion into quilting, but went back to garments. So I do have, like many quilters do, a few unfinished tops and quite a few unfinished um, quilts, but I'll get there with those. It will happen at some stage. That's right. You don't want to wear them out. I mean, you want to keep them good so that when oh, they, they'll right. last. <laughs> So, yeah, I, in summary, my stash is organised according to fabric type, really. And then, so interwovens and knits, they're not yeah. intermingled, they're mm-hmm. separate from one another. And then it's by weight before by colour. So, that, oh, okay. Yeah, I think that that's really how it works. So, the lighter weight ones are together, heavier weight, that sort of thing. Because then, if I'm wanting to sew something, I know where to go to get yes. what, what do I have in those coating type weights of fabric so what do I have in a lightweight soft drapey knit but like most of us that sew I often don't have exactly what I'm looking for (laughs) (laughs) that evil laugh we're all laughing aren't we Mm -hmm. (laughs) the solution is in the shopping isn't it off we go that does help I have been making a concerted effort over the last year or so to really shop my stash before I shopped the shops, <laughs> um, <laughs> which has been quite enjoyable, actually, and very rewarding to yes. sew more of what I have as well. Based on oh. how you've got it all organised, you mm. actually can shop your stash. Yeah, I can. So there is a system to it. You know, it's not, as I said, I'm organised. It's not all as beautiful and as Instagram-worthy as some people's um sewing stashes might be but it's all very logical and I can find everything and I pretty much know what I have I rarely mm. forget well, that's true you always and then you go oh there is that odd one though you'll go now I was looking at you last time I was looking and you're still there to be looked at but you know it's a case of you do find the right one when you are going through your stash and that's the one that you use the one that has made you go that's you're having your turn today mm, absolutely yeah very much so Now, chatting with you, how many years have you been sewing, Lara? I did learn to sew as a kid. So my mum sewed our clothes and a lot of her clothes. I was born in the late 1960s. So I'm 51 and I started sewing really as a kid. So mum let me use the machine is what it came down to. So I would sew clothes for my Barbie dolls, which is something many people do. I must have been sewing in primary school though, sewing for myself, because I do remember when I got to year seven, textiles, and they were teaching us how to use the sewing machine, how incredibly bored I was, because I (laughs) already knew how to sew a garment at that point. Wow. So, yeah, I, I do remember some of that quite clearly, actually. So I've been sewing probably since I was about 11, maybe. Wow. So, yeah, 40 years. So it is a long time. So, and you do get fast. And in the last 12, 13 years since I've had a purpose-built sewing room, my yeah. output has just increased exponentially. I hardly ever buy clothes for myself. Yeah. All of my clothes are made by me. For my daughters, I would probably have sewn half their wardrobes. Wow. As well. And I do sometimes sew for my husband when I'm feeling generous. (laughs) (laughs) Don't want to make that a habit, though. No. No, no, no. He's got a few shirts and T-shirts. He quite likes the T-shirts that I sew for him. And every now and then I'll sew for other friends and family, but not as often. So it's pretty much what I do for me. When I'm chatting with you, there's a calmness in your voice and a, a serenity, but also excitement and a zest for your hobby which we all share that zest yes we do I, I just think well you know life is it has its ups and downs would you say that you've used sewing as a way of walking through the various ups and downs of life would you say that's been something that's helped in oh, many ways I think so you know my husband likes to meditate for me I sew mm. you know I think that that's the thing for sewing for me 
is quite meditative. It's a task that has, it's not a task in an onerous way, obviously. It's a very happy, pleasurable task. But it's something that I can see a result for what I've done. You can see your output. You can see something as a result of your efforts. You know, and there's lots of areas in life where you can't do that. So that's something that I really like about sewing as well. That Yes, it takes time, but gee, I can actually see with my own eyes, feel with my own hands, what it is that mm. has resulted from that time and effort. And that's really quite enjoyable. And it takes your mind off. I, I don't think we can change things that um, we can't control. But if we fill our mind with something that we can control and that we get enjoyment from, it helps us get through that the time because sometimes I, I think I don't want to hear too many bad stories on the news because that just gets my head spinning. So I tend to think if I, I'll just wait until someone tells me what's going on. I'll quickly glance and see and think, right, okay, I know where we're at, but I don't want to get too engulfed in it because I find that that makes me feel quite powerless. And I, I like sewing because at least I can have a, a hand on fabric at least. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yes. Yeah. And it is, it is a good time out when other things are taking up a lot of your time and eating up a lot of your thinking space. It's a good way to sort of walk away from it for a while and then come back to it. For me, sewing gives me that space away and I can actually reflect on what's going on and come back to whatever I'm doing and then keep pushing through. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. It is that that way to really actively shift our focus. Yes, and save our sanity and keep us out of jail because really we all could be in jail if we didn't sew. (laughs) Society's better for it. (laughs) We've looked through your fabric. What's your favourite part of the creative sewing experience? The purchasing of fabric, cutting and prepping, sewing, the top stitching, trying on or wearing the finished garment? Or is it just ticking it off the list? Which is the one that you think, that's what I've done this for? You know, uh, that's actually a really difficult question to answer. Mm. I really like all of the components. It depends on the mood that I'm in. So that's why the Sojourn, I will often bulk cut, you know, firstly, because I like having it, you know, when I'm there. But sometimes I'm not quite in the mood to sew, but I'm happy to cut out things as well or Mm. tape together a PDF pattern or to just to resort and tidy my stash, Mm. those sorts of things. So it depends a lot on what mood I'm in. I think I do like the actual construction process and the very thing of a seam and seeing how it looks, you know, sew that together and then press it and hold it up and go, oh, wow, it's coming together. You know, seeing it all come together, I think, is really how something can go from being flat, you know, all these flat pieces Mm. to fit a three-dimensional person. I think that that's an amazing thing and really enjoy that process. What I'm really bad at is trying on the finished garment. And I have some friends that will laugh at this. I will often sew something. And then I put it onto my mannequin and I don't try it on, which is a little bit nuts. It's like I'm afraid to finish the process in yes. that way or sometimes or um, worried that I won't love it as much on me as I've loved it during the process. Oh, of okay. So it's one of those strange little quirks of mine that I have a few friends that often will say, if I've said, oh, I'm just finished sewing, you know, something in particular, and they'll say, oh, and have you tried it all? (laughs) (laughs) Because they know that often I won't have straight away. I probably don't try on as much during the process as I should either. So which can leave me with some fitting things to tweak after the fact. Whereas if I just did it while I was sewing, um, it would make it so much simpler. A bit like when I'm sewing for my daughters, you know, I do try things on them during the process, which is terrific because then I finish and it fits, you know, wow. And so I should do that a little bit more often with myself. Although at the same time, I've used the same types of patterns and the same sorts of shapes for myself so often that I can pretty much look at the cutout pieces and know. Yeah. Um, And both of you can probably relate to that. I can tell by looking at it, when I've cut it out as I'm sewing it together, is this going to work for me? So generally I know that anyway, and it's not a surprise. If I look at them and think, oh, this is a smidgen too small, and then I put it on and 
who knows it's a smidgen too small yeah. you know i can usually make that judgment in advance yeah it's crazy though because the other day i wanted to make a t-shirt and i just wanted a certain edge on the sleeve mm-hmm. and i had a pattern that i hadn't used before and i thought that's exactly the the slant i want on the sleeve and then i realized it was a you know, de-stashed piece of fabric. So, of course, there's none. Um, and mm. it's not wide enough for this particular... Oh. I thought, I can't believe it. So I thought, well, I'll put a big gap down the middle and I'll think of something, I'll do some alternative fabric. But mm. it ended up that it was exactly the right fit with this much taken out. Go figure. It's like, <laughs> I could not believe it. So I didn't have to put the attachment down the middle. And I thought, I never saw that one coming. Like, sometimes you mm. can be surprised. Well, that's true. Sometimes you can, yeah. <laughs> most definitely. But yeah, it's it's a very it's a wonderful, exciting, creative process because oh, yeah. that surprise element is always there with a yep. different type of pattern. It's always there. So tell us about the pattern company or the patterns that you favour the most. Mm. Uh, look, this is a hard one for me because, as you two know, I'm I'm all over the place with my pattern companies. I will sew from anyone really if I like the style style arc I think are brilliant so they are reliably fashionable their pattern range their size range is huge they have styles that work for me and work for my daughters as well which is quite amazing I think no Um, and some people criticize their instructions I don't know what they're criticizing personally yeah, they're line-by-line line instructions. They have some diagrams. Mm. I find them more than adequate. They'll have the odd glitch, you know, and I've always found the odd error in pattern instructions, whether mm. from Vogue, McCall's simplicity, yes. you know, over the years as well. Mm. So I think there's always going to be some small errors, but I think they're great. You know, they come together really well. They're beautifully drafted. So I'm a huge fan of style art patterns since I discovered them a number of years ago, actually. Yeah. And they're also just fabulous women to deal with. So, um, and and please tell us the name of the pattern that was named after you, Lara. Oh, Lara Jane. <laughs> there is there is a dress, the Lara Jane. Um, yes. It's named after me. Yeah, which is quite sweet of them, really, because it's, I use a lot of their patterns. <laughs> yeah, how lovely is that? Not yeah, many really, people can say they've got a pattern named after them. That's really no, good. It was really yeah, very sweet. I was really quite touched. You know um, what you should do? You should frame that and put that on the wall. I probably should. <laughs> yes. I've sewn from a few Helen's Closet patterns lately and Ooh. really like them. And they're patterns that I think a lot of beginners would love because they do have extensive instructions, fabulous diagrams, all of that sort of thing too. Yep. So for me, the drafting and the design lines are more important than the instructions with patterns. Yep. Yeah. I do read the instructions, but I don't always follow the instructions. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, I read them because I'm a rule follower by nature, you know, and that's mm. what you do. Mm. If we buy but, but a new appliance, s- we read the instructions. Oh, I do, you know, and, but yeah. yeah. And you've got the depth of uh, knowledge in construction that you can just have a look at and go, okay, and just yes. get on with it. Yeah. And that's pretty much the case. I tend to read the most to find out what seam allowance did they use. (laughs) That's key, isn't it, really? It is key. And they all use different seam allowances. So, Well, Skylark's one centimetre. So that's a real one to pick up on. They should Mm -hmm. have that in really big letters. (laughs) Because sometimes you just go willy-nilly and you're like, oh, no. And that's, once again, for those of us that grew up sewing from patterns from Vogue, McCall's, Buttrick, Simplicity style. And that's also as well as mum teaching me how to sew, I learned from the instructions in the patterns. Mm. And so a five-eighths of an inch seam allowance, I know that. I can eyeball that. Yeah. So, yeah, you learn. And what what was your favourite decade for patterns? I don't think I actually have a favourite decade. I like them all. (laughs) (laughs) I like them all, the different details. It's been quite funny pulling out some of my older 1980s patterns and early 90s patterns because so many of the styles that are around now are straight from that era. Oh, aren't they? Absolutely. They They really are. Yes. I know my eldest daughter's nearly 17 and she really wishes I'd held on to some of my clothes (laughs) from that time. Yes. Um, 
but no, they've all gone. So no, look, I don't actually have a favourite decade or era of patterns for sewing for myself. Um, in terms of ones that I just love for the design details, I really like the 20s and 30s patterns. Mm. Garments yeah. from those times, I just think they have the most beautiful use of things like the bias cut or the <sighs> seaming um, in those patterns is really lovely as well. So, but to sew for myself, no. <laughs> no, but I, I don't mind a bit of a, a bias cut, but it depends where it's going to hmm. hit my body, yes. whether I want that bias to be hitting the body in that area. But anyway, it's worth giving it a bit of a try. I always think if I make it into a really big thing, I can always cut it up into a small thing as long <laughs> as I can find where the grain line is. So that's, that's always the thing of taking a big risk. And I made my first jumpsuit last night. Did you? Well done. And the answer is no. <laughs> uh, well, and that's very funny because on my list of things to cut out today is my first jumpsuit. Mm. But I have a feeling the answer will be no. <laughs> Just not sure. It's, um, it was the most, it was that Sandra Bettina one, you know, where it mm -hmm. looks beautiful in the sequins. It's yes. like you, and you, but it's a stretch. So you can't even, I could put a zip in it and try a really drapey rayon. Mm. But um, I don't, you know, it was dark and I used, you know, using up stash fabric that mm. wasn't me anyway. And I was showing some and they said, well, that fabric's terrible anyway. And I thought, yes, but I wanted to feel it. Mm -hmm. How did it feel? I'm not sure. <laughs> I might have to make it in something and put a zip in so I don't have to use it. I mean, two-way stretch for a jumpsuit. If mm -hmm. I walk, it'll bounce everywhere. I don't know if I want that. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the big thing is being comfortable in your clothes. That's really my key with everything that I sew is yes. it has to physically feel comfortable, you know, yes. against my body. I don't want anything that's cutting in, that's binding, that's restrictive. But I have to feel comfortable in that I have to feel that it's me. Yes. So that's the other thing. So there's the physical comfort, but there's that, emotional mental comfort oh yeah you know, well yeah really important and that's why i give away a lot of the clothes that i sew as mm. both of you know every now and then i mention that which is great often oh. there's nothing wrong with them you know they're garments that i've sewn that i like but they're just not quite right for me mm. for whatever mm. reason and luckily i've got a whole group of very happy recipients <laughs> um <laughs> and to me that's just a win-win you know I get yes. to have the enjoyment of sewing and then they get the enjoyment of having a home-sewn garment, which most yeah. people are really positive about nowadays. Yes. So what, what does it for you when you've got it on? Like I know you buy a lot of fabric overseas when you're going on your trips. Oh, yeah. And so mm -hmm. those are very special souvenirs that you incorporate into something you love. So yes. when you've got that history the experience and the remembrance of buying it on a holiday mm. and making something that really just hits the right spot. Yes. Do you think it's to do with the history of the fabric too and the background? Oh, I think so because the fabric's automatically got, you know, really positive connections and associations. So that's definitely going to be part of it. Um, what's interesting to me is I recently sewed a top from fabric I'd bought in Bali, a really lovely party mm -hmm. crayon that had beautiful drape. But even as I was sewing it, I thought, this is not going to fit me. Mm. So, you know, I'd cut the wrong size and that was distressing me as I was sewing it in yeah. many ways. But gee, it looks so good on my mum. Yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> so I've passed it on to mum. She really likes wearing it. Um, yeah. The colour's great on her. And I've got that enjoyment of this, the yeah. top that I've made out of a special piece of fabric is now being worn by a very special person. So that's yes. a really nice thing. Yeah, it's really positive. And what's your normal yardage or meterage that you will naturally buy when you're shopping for fabric? And you're... Yeah, it depends on what I think it's destined for, whether it's destined for top dress or bottoms. It also depends on the price point as well yes that makes a difference yeah. if the price point is low and i like the fabric i'll buy five meters right because it gives me options or four or five depending mm. on the fabric i'll go for four or five meters if the price point is good 
I really, three meters is what I like yeah. to buy because that gives me, if I don't have a set purpose for a garment, because that gives me lots of options. But I've been buying more with particular things in mind in mm. more over the last year. So one and a half meters for a top. Yep. Gives me a bit of flexibility, depending on fabric width, of course, too. I remember yeah, exactly earlier and with sewing from stash fabric. If it's from mm. deep stash, those vintage fabrics, they are not very wide. No. <laughs> you know, and that really can make it difficult. Mm. So fabric width makes a difference, but three meters is often a good amount because as I said, I don't mind large leftovers because mm. I can combine them with other things. Yep. And so they prompt a bit of creativity. I've been pretty impressed with the length, the amounts of fabric I've bought for the things I've just cut out for Sojourn actually, because I've bought just the right amount. So oh, I wow. cut them out and really haven't had leftovers, which is also very pleasing <laughs> when that happens too. You know, there's one thing that I find at different places where you shop for fabric. Mm. When they have cut that to the millimetre, oh, yes. I feel very sad about that. So do I. Because <laughs> there's no room for maybe I could. It's like now I have no choice. Yes. And I find some places just that extra, you know, 0.1 of a centimetre or 0.2 that they're a little bit generous it is very heartwarming and it also makes me feel like they care. And it just, it's a wonderful experience when you just get a little bit extra. Yeah, it is. It does make me happy, um, especially mm. fabrics like rayons that you know are going to shrink. I pre-wash everything. I get home with my fabric and I go straight to the laundry. So yeah. I wash my fabrics mm. as soon as I get them home from the store. Yeah, most definitely. Well, sometimes they cut it crooked, like there's nothing worse. Oh. Like one end would be certainly not right because, you know, you folded it and you go, yep, we've lost a wedge here and this wedge is very important. Mm -hmm. It's uh, that whole preparation thing. It's like, it's not just whipping something up, is it? We've got to go oh, through no. <laughs> just whip it up. Oh, yeah, Larry, you could just whip that up for me. And I look at people and think, no. <laughs> <laughs> and you feel a little uh. bit more... Um, under scrutiny when you're sewing for someone else oh yeah. most definitely yeah absolutely not relaxing no although it depends i'm sewing my daughter's formal dress at the moment oh. that, that's on my list for today that's this one hanging over oh, here ladies oh, beautiful. i'm very happy with it it's yeah. had numerous fittings it's just what she wanted which is all great except it's three layers of full circle skirt in silk and so it's been hanging now for a number of weeks and today I need to hem it. Yes. Um, which is going to be quite a task, I think. So I will be using the overlocker and doing a rolled hem on the overlocker for it. Yeah. Overlocker rolled hems on the other flounces that have been attached as well. But just to get that hem level, just looking at it hanging here, it's amazing what the bias does over a period of time. Yeah been a really enjoyable garment to sew um, because it's been a collaboration and mm. I've certainly have put time and effort into sewing this there's no doubting that mm. it's, I think there were three bodice muslins two or three to get the fit right as fits an interesting thing I'm going to diverge onto this one because I always hear people talking about well often you hear those of us that are larger people complaining that if they were smaller it would be easier to make clothes that fit and that's no. absolutely not true no. <laughs> you know, it's fit is about shape. It's yes. not about size and it doesn't matter whether someone is really slim or whether someone is really fat. It's getting things to fit you properly is about getting them to work for your shape. So for my daughter, who is quite tiny, I mm. still have to make a whole lot of adjustments and alterations to get the dress to work well for her body, um, which perfect. I was able to do because I had her here to do it. But yeah, it does take time. You know, there was something I saw on Instagram the other day. A woman had made something. Um, I won't, don't know which one. I can't remember now. But uh, she was getting a lot of advice on fit. And I thought, I looked at the photo and I thought, one of her shoulders is higher than the other. Mm. You know, it's not her sewing that's wrong. It's no. not the pattern. It's the fact that she normally has, I think she was saying she normally has no problem with that pattern, but she made it in a woven and uh. the neck was out. And I thought, well, that's because your shoulder's up higher. Mm. And, and I thought, 
you know, a lot of people are beating themselves up. And it's, yeah. it's just because sometimes, you know, if you use your right arm a lot, mm-hmm. you show, and if you have an injury, mm. or you use the computer. Exactly. You've got, they're not going to be even Stephen. When you're sewing, you really need to know your own body. It's just so yeah. important. And, you know, I feel that I do know mine pretty well. And yet there's still a whole lot of what should be standard alterations that I often skip doing. Mm. Now, I know most of my garments would be better off with a forward shoulder adjustment, for example. Mm. I'm doing that more and more often nowadays. I've always done a narrow shoulder alteration. That's something I learned, I think, actually, even in my late teens. For my shape, I needed to just bring, you know, the shoulder width in a little bit. Um, I've always graded out for my waist because I've always had a proportionately much larger waist than hips Mm. in particular. So those are things that I've always done, but there's other things that, you know, are definitely worth considering. They don't need to be done with every garment and every pattern because it depends on the style lines, depends on the fabric type, you know, all of those sorts Mm, of things. But you need to consider doing a forward shoulder, maybe sometimes a high rounded back alteration, Mm. definitely a short back waist alteration. You know, that's something I know every time I look at photos of myself from behind and I think, yeah, Lara, you forgot to do that again this time. And because recently when I sewed a dress for Claire, I put it on her and it had a waist seam. When I pinned out that short back waist, gee, the difference that it made was incredible. Just improved the fit no end. So, yeah, sewing for someone else who's there in the house is really quite helpful. Um, Sewing for yourself, fit is harder because you can't see all of those things. You can't just pin them out and look also there's a level of what does it matter you know Mm. things matter but you've got to decide where you when you don't worry about them anymore you know there's a a stage where that yes you can see drag lines there but only if you're standing Mm. only if you're doing something in particular and with all of our clothes too we don't sew clothes for a photo that goes on Instagram or our blogs. We sew clothes to wear them. Yes. So you need to be able to move in your clothes. Yes. To be able to sit down. You need to have a range of motion, all of those sorts of things. You need to be able to touch the steering wheel and not grip the back of your shirt. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and we don't want to see, you know, when you bend over. No. You can see other things going on there. Plumbers have that problem, so to speak, but um, (laughs) we won't mention the word. No. Wear overalls are a good idea. So, you know, I saw that you made some overalls (laughs) um, and I thought, good job. The fabric, what was it? Was it a wool? Yeah, that's a wool. It was a wool tweed, actually. So a couple of colours woven through wool tweed. I bought that from Super Cheap Fabrics, I think that one. So as you know, I frequent a large number of fabric shops. I'll often run into you in mm-hmm. some of them. But yeah, I just thought, oh, I'll give it a go in that. That would be warm. That it yeah. would be cosy. I'm still, the jury's still out on the overalls for me. I'm going to give them another go, but in, in a cotton, you know, just a more summer yes. weight fabric. But you know that it fits really well. I mean, it was a the really was good pattern. Terrific. Yeah, the fit's terrific. And that's one of the Helen's Closet patterns. Uh, oh, okay. So for me, I'm finding that those work quite well. I've made the York Pinafore many, many times now, it feels yeah. like. And the Blackwood Cardigan is another one of hers that's a really nice um, nice shape, easy to sew, all of those sorts of things. It's from I've done it in Ponty and I'll be sewing it again, I think, many times. So there's oh, look, so many pattern companies out there, really. It's finding which ones have the sorts of styles that you like as well is oh, important. True. Pattern Emporium is another Australian oh. PDF pattern company that do a lot of knits, you know, so a lot of very easy to wear t-shirts, but just with those sorts of things, but it's slightly different fit. Over the years, look, I've learned a lot about drafting, obviously, in that if you use, do a lot of sewing and use a lot of different patterns, you get to see the differences. I've mm. read a lot of magazines about sewing. I've read a lot of books about sewing, but I'm not a pattern drafter or a fashion designer, that's not what I do. I like to sew. I like to take elements from different patterns and different designs that I like and combine them a bit sometimes. Mm. But, you know, if someone else has done the hard work out there of drafting and grading up a pattern, yeah, I'll quite happily. (laughs) Just being that little bit create or having enough imagination sometimes to think to lengthen a top to a dress or to Mm. do the reverse, shorten a dress to a top. Um, to leave out some elastic that's somewhere or put it in. 
for many people, they can't visualise how things would look if those little changes were made. And that's a skill you develop over time. It's like people that can't visualise patterns unless they've seen samples on different yes. people. You know, and that's just because we've got different skill sets. You know, that's some right. people can easily yeah, come up with how a pattern would look on them in a particular fabric. Others need to see what a pattern looks like on a whole lot of different people and different shapes and sizes. And that's where companies like, I think, Pattern Emporium and a lot of the other PDF pattern companies that have Facebook groups, they oh, right. often have numerous examples of their garments. So they oh. have extensive tester pools as well and they share those photos. Wow. So for people that are wondering, how would this pattern look on me? Mm. Those companies I think are really worth a look because oh, you can good. see yeah how that particular garment looks on someone who's maybe similar to you in size and shape and I suppose we do need um uh, some kind of a log I think I, I think it was socialists they did your body measurements oh, wasn't that wonderful yes fabulous thing yeah was that earlier this year? It was earlier in the year. There was quite a lot of um, internet discussion about the inclusive or non-inclusive um, mm. pattern sizing. Um, mm. And just so about though the importance of, if you sew, to share the size that you've sewn, to share mm. your measurements, you know, where appropriate, those types of things, to help others that are sewing to get an idea of how mm. this work for me. And your height. Tell me how tall you are. You know, it's such a that's key. Yeah. All these really moles have got very long legs. Well, <laughs> they <not> do. <laughs> um look look, even those things though vary. You know, I'm 158 centimetres tall, five foot two. Yeah. But my height is more in my legs. And this mm. is one of the other things that fascinates me when I go to Sojourn. Quite often we'll all try on the garments that, or a few of us that one another has made. And one other woman in particular, we're about the same height, not that much different. Gee, things look different on the two of us. It's mm. really quite incredible because I carry my height more in my legs and she carries hers in her torso. I'm really short through the torso. But even things like your shoulder to bust point, mm. you know, that distance, on her, she's shorter from shoulder to bust point. So lots of clothes will expose more cleavage than they do on Yes, me. yes. So knowing where, how you are proportioned, so where different things, where necklines are likely to fall on you, where um, the waist is likely to hit. Mm -hmm. in a, so learning those things about your own body too are really important. A circumferential measurement, for example, mm. won't say whether most of that measurement is in your front or in your back. Mm, exactly. That's right. It doesn't. No. So they just give a bit of an idea, um, you know, and measurements. They do let us know whether something will go around us, mm. you know. Mm. But in terms of the way that you want to proportion it for your body, yes. you know, make things fit you, that's something else to consider too. It's a big job. Like you wouldn't tell a learner sewer so, so that there's going to be all these things that are, they've got to consider because no one would take it up. But but once you're involved and you're hooked, I think you, yes. then it's the journey begins because then you you want to learn. It's not a case mm. of I have to. You actually oh, no. can see the difference. And well, back in the 1900s, there were no shops with dresses. Everyone had everything made personally for them. So ready to yes. wear was certainly not something that was a thing in the day, was it? No, and it wasn't. I think that if you want to learn to sew, you just start. You mm. get fabric, you get a machine, borrow one, whatever. You know, it's only fabric. It's That's not, it. it is only fabric. And mm. what's the worst that can happen? You know, it's not rocket science. You know, this is, no. it's sewing. So you give it a go and see what happens. And if it doesn't work the first time, you try it again. I know exactly. all of those sorts of things. And I do think that the internet has been such a blessing mm. for those that sew because for many years we were sewing more in isolation. Mm. Most of my friends sewed as well because if you wanted a fancy dress to wear to one of your college balls when you were yeah. at uni, you had to sew it. No one, yeah. You couldn't just go down to the shops and buy them in the way that we can now. No. You know, that's where... You needed to get out your hot pink water wave taffeta and sew up that dress with a dropped gathered skirt and puffy sleeves because that's 
how it was. So most of us learned to sew, but just a lot didn't continue. Yes. Well, it gets um, harder. It's, you know, life's busy and it's... I think a few people might go back to it. They've still got their stashes from what I, I, I consider. I think to myself, oh, the more you talk to people, they go, yeah, I've got a fabric stash. Mm-hmm. And they haven't sewn for 30 years. Yes. But they're not getting rid of it because there's always hope. <laughs> there is always hope. <laughs> it does make a difference. And there's even just the enjoyment that I know my mum loves following along, you know, yeah. reading sewing blogs and Instagram. She's not oh. sewing nowadays. but you know, she's in her 80s and it's been to her, she says, you know, a real eye-opener, just how much there is to learn, how people can connect to one another mm-hmm. as well, all those sorts of things. And just the resources that are available. I think it's really quite amazing. Love that YouTube. There's nothing like a visual, is there? Exactly. Well, I'm a more of a book reader myself. Okay. I'll, I'll look for a book. I look to YouTube for how to do yeah. something. So it really does depend on the way that you that you learn best. Mm. But I do refer people to YouTube all the time when they want ideas for how to do a particular thing. Because don't you worry, that tutorial will be there. <laughs> exactly. Was there anything that you wanted people to know before we finish up? I think it's really important to find some things that you really enjoy in life. And mm-hmm. for me, it's sewing. And it's something that I can adapt for how I'm feeling. I can sew things that are simple. I can sew things that are more complicated. So it helps in many, many ways. You don't need, despite the fact I've got this massive sewing room, you don't need a huge setup to start. I do think that if you want to start sewing and you are quite keen, it is really good to have a space mm. you know, of some sort where your machine is set up. I really mm. do think that that is key. You know, I spent many a year setting up my machine on the dining room table, putting it away again, set it up, put it away again, you know, mm. all those sorts of things. Sometimes that is just what you have to do. You know, mm. That's just how it is and you have to do that. But if you can actually set aside a little space where your machine is set up all of the time, you'll be amazed at how much you can enjoy mm your hobby of sewing because you can just sew a couple of seams. You can just do a little bit of prep. You don't need a top of the line, fancy, expensive new sewing machine. My sewing machine is one I was given for my 21st birthday. So it's 30 years old and it's a great machine. No, it does everything that I could possibly need it to do. I am loving the um, Juki overlocker that I got last year. Oh, very good. (laughs) That's really been marvellous. I had another overlocker prior to that for about 10 years that I hated every moment of the 10 years that I owned it. So <laughs> I wish I got rid of it sooner. But that's another thing. You don't need an overlocker straight away. You know, no. I have only had one for about 12 years. Yeah. You know, so all my sewing up until then, I finished, I sewed on knits as well. I did a knit-knit course back in my early 20s mm-hmm. when knit-knit was around. I just did it all with a standard machine. Mm. Now, you can finish your edges with a standard machine. You don't have to jump in and buy an overlocker. So no, right, right off the bat. But you yeah. do need a good machine. And often those old ones are the way to go. Yeah. And a good, sharp unpicker. Love the yes. clove one. Yes. Oh, and that's my other thing. Everybody unpicks. Beginners, yes. don't worry if you've got to unpick something. I unpick something nearly every time I make a garment. Yes, exactly. You know, that's just part of the process. Unpicking is part of the process. It's not meaning that you don't know what you're doing or that something's wrong. Part of the process. And have good pins. You need fine, sharp pins, not those cheap things that you buy at a checkout. Mm. Get decent pins yeah. as well that don't put holes in your fabric and decent scissors. Mm. Yes. More than one pair. Oh, yeah, more than one pair is useful. <laughs> Sisters unpicker. So there's things that are definitely worth spending that little bit of money on. Yes. Yeah, yes. no doubting that because they are much better quality. And don't use cheap thread. No. And don't use old thread. No. <laughs> so We all know that, doesn't it? We all know that. Yeah, but sometimes we, the colour the colour matches perfectly. It's like yeah. it's not worth it. No. It's so not worth it. Yeah, and there's always more to learn. You can always extend your skills with sewing if you want to. No, no, Maria, you've done a fair bit of the couture sewing as well and made some really stunning 
couture garments. I know that's never going to be my bag. And that's the joy of sewing that you can do the things that you appreciate doing and still really admire the things that others are doing. Exactly. So, so you can get that understanding of what's involved in a whole range mm. of different sewing techniques and fitting and things like that. And then just find the style that you get the most enjoyment from as well, or styles, because we don't all have to just do one type of sewing or one, no, one type of thing. We can mix it up and change it around. And, and apply those skills to whatever it is you're sewing. So as much as mm. I love Kapila lace, I don't yes. wear Kapila lace every day. <laughs> and I don't wear it on weekends. So it's only, you know, one or two special garments, but at mm. least I've got those skills. And, yeah, yeah, it is investing in yourself and your mental mm. health. Yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah. You know, the enjoyment that you must get from looking at those Kapua lace pieces, you know, that and knowing what you've been able to achieve doing that, you know, that's really nice when you look mm -hmm. at something and think, wow, that was really worth putting in that effort. There was a whole yeah. lot that went on there. Yeah. Yes. You do a blog as well, Lara. Yes. So you put down all the details of what you're sewing and how mm -hmm. you found it. And it's mm -hmm. really, it's a community service really. It is. So that will have the link of your blog so that if people want to find out all the years of sewing that you've done, there'll be a pattern in there that you've probably made. <laughs> that is often the case. Yes. I did take an unpremeditated blogging break. I think I probably didn't blog for about a six month period actually mm -hmm. could have been longer and that wasn't actually planned but I've been blogging for about 12 years yes. so I think I just run out of oomph mm -hmm. but I'm now catching up I started blogging again and I'm really like enjoying getting those basic pictures and that information up there because I know how much I benefit from reading yeah. other people's blogs and their reviews and of patterns but also how much i like having that record yes so exactly. I, exactly i refer to it it's my sewing diary mm. so getting it all up there and on the blog is quite important to me as well so yeah and i have some really nice interactions with people as well yeah. because of my blog there's some really lovely regular commenters i really appreciate all that they say and look, sometimes i'll run into people in the street that recognize me or, or my family from the blog and they're always so nice and welcoming and i think that that's great because we're all just people that have a hobby in common so it's great when people say hello i forgot to tell you when we travel it's there's never a day that doesn't go by that someone's like do you know lara oh, oh yes i said we yes <laughs> meeting yeah. fabric stores by accident and fight over fabric all the time <laughs> and we do often fight over fabric yeah? <laughs> yes i was just gonna say uh we have some of the things that you've been blogging i thought yep i've got some of that yep i've got some of that mm -hmm. all yeah. in the stash so we do love the same type of fabric and the colors and the textures so i think that's fun but you mm. are definitely asked about whenever oh you're from australia so you do you know Lara Thornbury? Well, I feel a little well, embarrassed, actually. <laughs> oh, that's when, when I first met you at uh, Frocktails, I was just as aghast as well. I was like, oh, it's Lara. Oh, yeah. goodness. Um, oh, thank you, ladies. It's a funny thing. It's, I'm just a person from the suburbs that sews, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> Not really. <laughs> oh, well, but I do really love doing it. And look, and because of it, I've met people when I've travelled overseas as well. You know, we've yeah. managed to meet up which has been really fabulous too. Just adds that other bit of interest and excitement. And, you know, it's always nice to be taken to the best fabric shops in Chiang Mai. Yes, <laughs> so, certainly is. Yeah, it's been added certainly a dimension, I think, blogging. It has added a dimension to my life mm. that I would not have anticipated. And I have definitely made really, really fabulous friends through it all because of that common interest and a way that we've been able to connect up with one another. That's fabulous. Well, we'll be thinking of you at Sojourn this weekend. We will. Thank you. And hopefully you'll get that dress finished with the hem and it'll be all oh, on yeah. the list. So oh, don't you wait. That one will definitely be on the blog once it's finished. So the school formal is at the end of November. I actually have stretched out the making of this. It's not been pressured at all. I think I started it actually quite early in the year. It may have even yeah. been before Easter. Mm. Just 
done one bit at a time and it hasn't been a stressful process. I did not yeah. want to feel pressured. No. <laughs> Unlike Anne, who has still got to make her dress for cocktails. Yes. <laughs> Might be pants. I don't know. It's yeah, like okay. just it's so cold today that it's just making me think I can't make anything lightweight because if you get cold to the bone, that's not mm -hmm. an enjoyable night at all. No, definitely it comes back to feeling comfortable. Yes, I agree. Okay, thanks so much, ladies. And thanks to both of you for starting up a podcast. I think that it's nice to have some Australian voices in the sewing podcast scene as well. And I do think that those from overseas actually quite enjoy the Australian accent every now and then too. Yeah, look, we've had, we've had a fun time getting this all set up and yeah. we really appreciate the fact that you've given us your time today. Yeah. When, you're, when you've got so many other things on the go. Thank you. It's lovely catching up with you. Thank you so much, Lara. Happy sewing. Yes. yes. Happy sewing to both of you or happy editing now for Maria. Yeah. <laughs> See you on Instagram, ladies. Thanks. Thank you. Okay. Thanks. See you Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Go to Starlark website to check out the Lara Jane Starlark pattern. That's the one that Lara mentioned in this podcast. Lara started her sewing blog in 2007 and she continues to post on it as you know because it's her sewing journal and we're so thankful that Lara keeps her sewing journal alive and shares what she's learnt on her sewing journey. Go to her website for more details. This episode of Sew Organised Style Podcast was produced by me Maria Via Harris and Anne Wally with permission from Lara. Sound by bensound.com so Organised Style, spelt with an S, not a Z, is available on our website, SoOrganisedStylePodcast.com, with the links for this podcast. You can also find our podcasts on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, CastBox, and now on Libsyn. Subscribe to our podcast to catch every new episode and tell your friends about our podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you're still listening, our next podcast is about the Brisbane Spoolettes, but we're also about to record a special podcast that will drop on the first week of February that I know you'll enjoy. Stay with us. Bye for now.